0: Banning the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films, and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Battaglia.
1: It's episode 38 of Down and Nerdy, and a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Also, today's Black Friday, the day you can reminisce about the year that you bludgeoned a stranger for a Tickle Me Elmo doll. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, well, Black Friday, actually, I have some Black Friday stories. Well, I, first of all, I actually have to work my retail job uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock to 11. So thank you, consumers, for making me work on Thanksgiving. I understand uh, yep, you're one of those. Well, yep, yeah, well, no, it's it's just, I, I mean, part of it's the stores, but I think the stores wouldn't do it if consumers weren't lining up. That's You right. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it, it goes hand in hand. Um, but no, I remember when I was on the opposite side of it, uh, it was like a, it was a yearly thing. My buddies and I from high school do every year we go to black Friday. I wouldn't really buy anything. I mean, I probably like buy like some, there's some blu-rays are like, you know, 20 bucks or like $2. So I get those. Um, but it's like, really like we would just go just as people watch and dude, there's like people fighting over like fucking Xboxes. And everything else, and I'm like Jesus Christ. I think I saw one guy like hit another guy in the head with a fridge. Mm-hmm. I think it was just—it's something about Black Friday that not only brings out the primal instinct to people, but it brings out like the savage hulkness in people. Oh,
1: I've got some Black Friday stories because it's something that I've done every year as as an adult, and um, and I, and I'm the crazy person. I will go to the craziest po- places possible on my first stop. So I'll either go to Walmart. Or I'll go to Best Buy because I know right. those are the craziest two places. One story I can remember in particular. This is the this is going to be the quicker of the two. Is I was pulling it because you know when you're when you're in Black Friday shopping, depending on where you are, uh, parking can be a little scarce. So sometimes you got to right. circle around a little bit. Well, I kind of found, I got lucky and I found a spot, and I'm getting ready to pull in. Well, what I see out of my peripheral vision is someone else basically peeling out to try and get to the same spot Jesus that I was trying Christ. to get. And I'm, now granted, I'm already, you know, about a quarter of the way in and they kind of screech up towards me and, and slam on their horn. And I'm, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Fuck <laughs> you. Right. I right. look up and it's like a 30 something year old woman
2: who's ready to kill me.
1: For this parking spot. I
2: it would have been funnier if it was like an 80-year-old woman and she just like started hitting you with her cane. That would have been hilarious.
1: I bet, but yeah, yeah, that would that would have been a lot more funny, but, but I mean but, I didn't get the shit beat out of me by an old woman <laughs> this time.
2: But my thing with Black Friday though is like I, I was talking to my dad about this last night. because uh, he asked if I had to work, you know, my retail job tomorrow. I said, Yeah. And I just said, I go I've really figured it out. That unless you're buying like an appliance or a television, something that's over, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, like above a PS4 level or Xbox One level, mm-hmm. it's not really worth it.
1: No, and which is what's, and to me, it's the lines that aren't worth yeah. it. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. One guy said, the he checkout waited lines, like, I mean.
2: Yeah. One guy said he waited like three hours just to check out. I'm like, no, man. I'm sorry. Like, like, like I said, if you're, it's a big purchase and you, yeah, I could see it. But the thing is, though, too, is Black Friday, I think, is kind of really a joke because if you really think about it, what they're doing – and I've worked in retail so many years, I know this for a fact. Mm-hmm. What companies do is they'll take like, – okay, a, say a television, right? Say it's like $1,000. They'll buy it at like market value, which is more expensive, mm-hmm. and then they'll just mark it down to whatever the sale price is, and they'll think you're giving them a sale. As a oh yeah, way. that's
1: that's a it's a ploy for no doubt about that. What you what you do with Black Friday is you, you got to be diligent about it. You got to basically look at all the ads, and you're going to yep. have, if if I'm being totally honest, in in the entirety of Black Friday, there's going to be maybe five really good deals. Yeah, that's or the way I see it. there's there's five really good deals, and that's it.
2: And if you think about it. The reason why I think a lot of stores are opening early isn't just because it's consumer; it's because there because a Cyber Monday because it's kicking oh, yeah. its ass. Oh yeah, no and doubt about it. That's the thing, Cyber Monday. I think you have better deals. Like Amazon, I remember back in two thousand twelve, and I was pissed that I missed out on this. This is when remember when the Bond twenty four box set came out it had oh, all yeah. the Bond. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Or it was the Bond fifty box set. I wanted that. That's like a two hundred dollar box set. Amazon had it on sale for like twenty bucks. Wow, and it was it was one of but Amazon didn't announce it all. It was one of because Amazon has a Black Friday or Saturday, Monday. I mean those secret buys. Yep, they're right doing it those?
1: right now actually. Yeah, yeah,
2: where where you get a like literally search and you're like, oh my god, there's was a Friends box set for like two yep. dollars yep. or like I said, the Bond Fifty. My friend got the Bond. And it was a fucking Blu-ray one too. Yep. So I'm like, it was a Blu-ray Bond Fifty, uh, you know, set. About 25 set, whatever the anniversary was, set. My friend got the Blu ray edition. He's like, Oh, yeah, I got like Amazon for like 20 bucks. I'm like, Dude, it's a $200 thing. And I found it and I went to go purchase it for the $20. It was sold out. I'm Mm -hmm. like,
1: Oh, damn. Yep, I missed out on that one too. I I remember that. That was a sad freaking day. But I don't know. It's just something about being in it. And one of the, this is the craziest Black Friday story that I can remember. Okay. Um, this was when the Amazon Kindles, the just the regular e-readers, were, were a pretty yeah. hot ticket item, and I knew that my wife would love to have one of those because she'd been talking about it. So I go to Walmart. I'm there bright and early. I got my cart and everything because if you get a cart on Black Friday, you can push people out of the way with it. <laughs> so yes. I'm, I'm sitting there waiting because the, you know they line people up in certain areas of Walmart.
2: Right, right, right. When
1: you, you know, they'll tell you, okay, this is where this item's gonna be, and they'll and and you line them up there. So I go and I'm standing in line with these two teenage girls, basically. Oh boy! And um, which was fine. They were very nice and they weren't stupid, which was which was a blessing. So they guys,
2: so they weren't rocking Team Edward, Team Jacob shirts. No, they weren't. And as a matter of fact, they looked
1: like they actually wanted one of these to read. So well, imagine that. So. Yeah. About let's see, like five or ten minutes before everything's about to start, right? Right. These two jackasses, and by jackasses I mean two late twenties guys that are, you know, clearly the douchebag.
2: They had the pop collars and the exactly. They they had the "my dad's a lawyer and I will sue you" look going. We're
1: talking. If you're a wrestling fan, I'm talking Mean Street Posse. Oh, Jesus Christ! Kind of guy. Yes. Okay, so they roll up. And they think they're just going to cut right to the front of the line, right? So they basically, and I mean literally, kind of pushed these girls out of the way. Oh, boy. Because these girls were ahead of me in the line.
2: James just went nerd Hulk, didn't you? You went fucking Hulk, didn't you? This
1: is one of the few times where I went, oh, hell no. And I said, you two need to back up. And they kind of puffed out on me, right? And I said, you back up or I'll make you back up. (laughs) Oh, shit! And then, uh, by that point, the manager comes by, the manager of that department, and does the whole what's going on thing. I said, these two just rolled up in here about five (laughs) minutes ago. We've been here for an hour and a half. These two girls were up here in front of me, and they put their hands on these two girls, and if they don't back up, it's going to get ugly.
2: I like how you're you're using your street vernacular. Like, yo, Uh, these these two guys just rolled up. mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, James just got gangster.
1: Well... So that was resolved without incident. What I didn't know was two minutes after this was going to happen, because at this point it's in a frenzy because everybody knows it's about to start. Well, if you've ever been to Walmart on Black Friday, they basically have pallets stacked up in the aisles and they have them covered up with either a, some sort of a plastic covering or 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 cardboard or something like that. And then once the time is right, they'll take it off and you can get your stuff. Well. Apparently, people didn't want to wait because people were literally tearing through the plastic, (laughs) through the cardboard to put stuff in their carts early.
2: Hillbillies were using whatever teeth they had left to bite into the packaging to just puncture a hole and try to rip it open.
1: It was wild, man. It was like Tasmanian devil style. And you've got employees and and even security guards and a a couple of legit police officers. Like actual city police trying to stop these people. They couldn't stop them.
2: Here's the thing, though. Do you think that those employees, and I've kind of done it, like, look at people on Black Friday, like the shoppers, and I just look at them and just, like, like, look at them, like, like not in disappointment, but just, like, in amusement, like, these motherfuckers. Like, oh, oh like, I know they do. Like, I know I, they do. I, I remember I used to work at Home Depot, man. People were just, like, pushing each other over certain saws and shit, and I'm, like, laughing my, I'm like, a quote I'm laughing my ass off. I'm like, I'm like, this is just, like, amazing. You like, see? A, a, the shit th- people do. I think that Home Depot on Black Friday would be one of the most dangerous places th- to be. Oh, in. dude! I went to Home Depot one year for, on Black Friday, and we had a line like almost a half mile long at like four in the morning. I mean, because because you're talking about
1: saws and you know basically chains yeah, and ropes yeah, and Stabbables that you can use that are on. T- Lawn mower blades. Is, this is this is bad. This could get
2: really it's, ugly. It, it can go from Home Improvement Center to Thunderdome real fucking quick. You, you, you know, it's, and you'll be shocked. But the one year I worked at though, it wasn't too bad. I and mean, there were people like, oh my God, get out of the way, get out of the way kind of thing. But it was just, and I was a cashier. So, I mean, that was just, it oh, was yeah. fun. But mostly it was a lot of Christmas stuff. Cause we had like that, cause Home Depot nowadays, a lot of Home Improvement Centers sell Christmas stuff like around like October, like after Halloween, like the day after they immediately sell it. Right. And, and, uh, so there's like a lot of light. They had like a lot of like light specials, the, the and fake stuff like Christmas that. trees and stuff. I yeah, I have good yeah. deals on. So. By the way, I realized we haven't really introduced ourselves at all.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Well, I'm James with them alongside
2: <laughs> Nick Pataglia, the Merc with one arm.
1: And that is not why Nick has one arm, by the way. He it wasn't because of Black Friday. I it's
2: actually, the, well, I know. actually made a joke. I, I actually on Black Friday, or, or uh, I actually made a joke saying uh, to one of my, my my bosses, and they actually had a major laugh. I said. I go, I go, yeah. I go, I really want, they said, uh, why don't you ever like try to work lumber? I'm like, really? You think somebody would want <laughs> a guy with one arm cutting a piece of lumber? And I, I could fuck with them and be like, yeah, hope this works better than last time. And oh my
1: gosh, that is hilarious. I like can't and he was just dying. Minutes. Like
2: he oh no, like he was, he was serious. He was like, "Why have you never like tried to learn lumber or whatever?" Cuz learned like all the other departments, and why never lumber. I'm like I just gave that, that seriously look. I'm like, "Yeah, not like like who would want like look at me and say like, "Yeah, I feel safe having this guy cut my lumber for me?"
1: Oh wow. Red I, red stains on the on the oh yeah. concrete.
2: Uh, on the apron, like my orange apron is just like blood red. Oh, so, God. Does somebody spill paint? No. No, no, <laughs> no. But uh, oh so God. Black Friday is that, but the day before, of course, is Thanksgiving. This is our Thanksgiving episode. So, James, what's the family plans for Thanksgiving? I hear you're going to uh, Boca Raton, is it?
1: Yeah, Well, and, and it's funny because that's not even for Thanksgiving. It's for it's for work. So basically the day, Black Friday, I, I probably will not be shopping this year for the first time in a long time because I have to travel one more time for my... For my, uh, I guess you could call it my fall football gig. I guess yeah. you could call it. So I'll be traveling down to Boca Raton. What's funny is, is when we get on the plane here in Norfolk, it's going to be forty degrees. When I land in Boca Raton, it's going to be seventy-six degrees. For
2: people who don't know, James is actually the Bobby Boucher of the local football team here. He is the water boy. That's, That's what right. he does.
1: That's right. But you know, I get to hang out with the cheerleader, so it's okay. Yeah, it's all good.
2: I'm sure your wife will love to hear that.
1: Oh, yeah. she's it, It's a blast for her, I'm sure. By the way, she's going to be on the
2: show later, and I swear to God, I've banned down my hatches, I've girded my loins, I'm ready for fucking battle.
1: Yep, you better get you better get ready, because she's serious about this Hunger Games stuff, so we'll be talking about the Hunger Games Mocking Jade here, coming up here shortly on this week in Geek Yep,
2: yeah, but I mean, for my Thanksgiving, it's like, it's like I said, Cody invited me out to his place, but Cody, as we all know, lives out in Portsmouth, mm-hmm. and that's about from where I live, like 40 minutes away. And I'm like, I have to work at 6, and they are eating at 2. And I said, I would love to go out there, but I just hate to drive the 40 minutes to Portsmouth.
1: Yeah.
2: To, to not be able to enjoy his and his family. I love – because I love Cody. I love his wife and, and their family. His and and family like is awesome, yeah. His family is great. Um, and and – but like, you know, I go – yeah, I said, you know, I, go, I would love to go out there. I go, but it's just not really worth the, the gas and the drive to just go out there for a couple hours and have to rush back to, you know, Virginia Beach and – you know, go to work. I go, if I didn't have to work, I would definitely be there. But my uncle lives closer. He lives – literally, he lives probably like five minutes from my house. So I'm going to go over with him, my aunt, my cousins, and just eat there and then go to work.
1: Nice. Yeah, we're, we're going to do a very chill thing here too for, for Thanksgiving. And part of the reason is because it's the same kind of thing. Uh, it's very similar. I've, got, I've th- got to pack for the trip and everything. Yeah.
2: You're going to put the baby, ins- you're going to stuff the baby inside of a turkey, make him like a a, tur- a turk baby kind of thing?
1: Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress him up as a turkey, and, uh, and and a good time will be had by all. <laughs> and, well, I mean, it kind of sucks for him, because he's a baby, he can't eat is, any Thanksgiving food is right the,
2: now. Is the wife going to make a turducken?
1: No, no turduckens in this house, we're very traditional when it comes to the turkey, I think we're going to do a ham this year too, which we don't typically do, but. But
2: your wife doesn't like ham though, that's what you told No, me. that's
1: the funny thing, gonna, she wants to make a ham and she's not even going to eat it. Well, I take here's that the back. Thing. I take that back. She will do ham in sandwiches. It's not. She doesn't like ham, like steaks and stuff like that, but in sandwiches, she does like the ham. You
2: know, we've been friends for over a, for a couple of years, and I'd be having Thanksgiving alone like I did last year, and you didn't once. You're like, hey, come over to my house for Thanksgiving. You know, I'm be. if it wasn't for my uncle or Cody, I'd be sitting at my table eating a bowl of feelings, crying, and, you know, t- <laughs> For what's for dessert, Nick? Oh, ice cream. Oh, really? Well, it tastes a little salty. Yeah, the tears make it better. <laughs> I don't need to flavor my food because the tears
1: have done it for me. <laughs> exactly. You son of a bitch. I don't I don't even remember where Yeah, well, yeah, I guess we were friends during Thanksgiving last year. Yeah, we've
2: been f- friends I, since I started working at the station.
1: Ba- baby baby brain, dude. I don't remember anything anymore. That's why yeah. I, That's why I have to have printed notes for the show. I'd forget my own name if I didn't have it written down in front of me.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it did take us, like, well, like, nine minutes to introduce ourselves yeah, that that
1: Yeah, see, that's a good point right there. We got wrapped up on Black Friday, which, hey, everybody does, so why not us? By the way, a pretty cool stat, um...
2: You know, other than the amount of tears I shed last year on Thanksgiving because James didn't invite me over to his house. That's why it's raining here in Virginia Beach, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yes, it's just my tears. Uh, no, we I went on to check some stats for our, our show last week and just our, the page overall. And we got some fans in Russia now, which is pretty interesting.
1: Thank you, comrades, for joining us. Appreciate yes. that.
2: Yes, indeed. Thank you, comrades.
1: Does that mean we need to start wearing fur, fur hats and those those clicky type shoes that they wear there?
2: I really hope so. And like, because that would just be so fun. Just to wear the furry Fargo hats and, and, or, you know, or the big, huge things. It'd be fantastic. I
1: could see you doing that. I think you'd be able to pull it off.
2: Yeah. It, it, it really, I mean, honestly, whenever they show pictures of Russia and you have that, I don't know what, I don't know if it's a church or whatever that, but it's that famous thing. It has like the different colored tops on it. I think it's the, isn't that the Kremlin? I think it is. Yeah. I think it's I, when I was younger, I always thought that the tops were like candy. Nice. They look like candy. They look like
1: they almost look like peeps.
2: <laughs> oh my god! Um, peeps are peeps are an abomination unto God.
1: I'm not sure that they'll appreciate that, but uh, but sometimes they kind of, they kind of look not like the traditional like marshmallow peeps that are shaped like chickens,
2: but like the like the peeps. Still, peeps are fucking suck, dude.
1: Actually, wait. There's actually there's a cookie that it kind of looks like. It's like a puffy, airy cookie, and I can't think of a, a like a macaroon or something like that. Maybe that's what I I'm have thinking no of. idea. I don't know. I'm not a baker, so if you you know, Facebook.com/slash down and nerdy, set me straight. What the heck am I talking about here? Yeah.
2: Hey, what does a crumbler look like to you? <laughs> hey, We've
1: got to have somebody on the show that listens and that that bakes or. Or just is really fat and eats cookies. I don't know. Just tell... Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Why do they got to be fat and just wait a eat minute. cookies? Federale's a cookie guy. Maybe he's... He is a cookie he, guy. Yeah, friggin' Mike Federale from Tidewater Comic-Con. You could tell me what kind of cookie I'm talking about.
2: He, he really could. He... I swear to God, he... He knows every aspect, every ratio of every cookie known to man.
1: I think he's starting to turn blue, and not because he's he, a Kree alien, but because he's turning into Cookie Monster.
2: Or that... Or he's like, in the past life, he was Ernie the Elf.
1: Well, you know they say he's inhuman anyway, so yeah,
2: yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, we got- you'd have to be to to spend that much time putting <laughs> together Tidewater Comic Con, wouldn't you? Jeez. Exactly, Jesus Christ! They got some n- nice guest announcements. Some, you know, they made, actually made some today, yep, uh, which is pretty cool. So go over to the Tidewater Comic Con page and you know check them out. And uh, we have some announcements coming up soon uh within the next month we can make as far as appearances go which is great for us and great for you we got some live shows coming up and planned so uh stay tuned for that
1: absolutely and speaking of stay tuned coming up next it's what we're reading brought to you by fantasy escape comics and cards in virginia beach right around the corner on down and nerdy
2: well boys and girls it's that time Grab those bags. Grab those boards. Grab those comics, because it's time for what we're reading. Presented by Fancy Escape Comics and Cars, Aragorn Boulevard, Virginia Beach. And James, I'm going first. I decided to go kind of old school again because I, didn't, I haven't picked up my pole yet. <laughs> you're like you're like an old soul. I am. So I decided to go back into my childhood collection and dig up Marvel Adventures number four, Brawl with the Brotherhood, which was published in July of 1997.
1: Brawl with the Brotherhood.
2: And it was written by Ralph Macchio. Now, not <laughs> not that Ralph
1: Macchio, but he is the. Oh God! So many jokes.
2: He's he's but he has the name of The Karate Kid. I, I swear to God, when I, as soon as I saw his name, I'm like, no way! And I googled him. I'm like, okay, it's not the same guy. This is the guy that does like the the, the ultimate versions of Spider Man and Daredevil. Wow! So still, that guy's gone through his entire life. Oh yeah, I think you think he hates it. I think he does. Well, really think
1: about agree. it. Think about it. He orders a pizza. You see that as a delivery guy, and you're like, "Oh, cool!" You knock on the door. He opens it, and you're like, "Ah." Yeah, it's like <laughs> what
2: was the, the uh, what was the, the commercial? I think it was like the Michael Jordan commercial. Yep, yeah, Michael yeah, Jordan. Yeah. Where it's like his name's Michael Jordan, but he's not the Michael Jordan. It's like Michael Jordan party of too, and he's like. Oh, yeah, yes, think, it's this guy.
1: Think about it. If you were working at the retail place that you work at and somebody did an online order and you were working pickup station and the name was Stan Lee, you'd be all hyped and then the guy oh, shows yeah. up and he's some 20-year-old kid and you go, ah,
2: Yeah. But, uh, no, so it was the Brawl of the Brotherhood published in 1997. Ralph Macchio did the... Uh, he did the writing. The pencils were by Ben Herrera. The inks were by Armando Durthy, And Kevin Tinsley did the colors. Now... So pros. Before I get into the actual story, the colors are great. Sometimes, though, they didn't really match up with certain characters. Uh, for example, like Magneto makes a brief appearance in the comic, mm-hmm. but he's not of his regular purple and like maroon color. He's kind of like an orangey color, which is kind of weird. Interesting. Um, but it sets up in the beginning with the ringmaster, and he's setting up these carnivals, he's hypnotizing these audiences, and taking their money. And as he's doing that, there's three mutants. They're part of the Brotherhood. The Blob, Avalanche, and Pyro. They escape the Hulk Buster base and they find the carnival and say, hey, we can take refuge in here. Why not? And Hulk, Bruce Banner, is in the desert escaping the army and the army finds him and he turns into the Hulk and, long story short, he also joins the circus and is like, as the Hulk, and he says, you know, I, I probably belong here. You know, yada, yada, yada. And the three people of the brotherhood, uh, you know, they try to steal from the ringmaster while they're doing, you know, they, the ringmaster pretty much has this hypnotizer on top of his hat and hypnotize the audience. And then his carnies go into the crowd and steal the belongings of the audience. I
1: gotcha. I gotcha.
2: And so the brother try to make off with it. And they're like teasing one of the uh, other carnies. That's like Hulk's friend and Hulk and the, Guys go at it and whatever. and I'm, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't really enthr- taken away by this. Um, I have Marvel Adventures. I have like the first seven issues of Marvel Adventures. Mm-hmm. And here's the cons. And there's a lot of them. The writing seems to be made, seem like it's made for kids. It has a very Scooby Doo esque ending. Ah, uh, there you go. The fight with the Brotherhood at the end uh, It's not captivating at all. It's boring. It's too fast. Um, well, I mean, it's the Hulk too. So, how much could they really stand up to the
1: Hulk, right?
2: Right. Um, the only person who stands as a Hulk for a brief moment is the Blob, right? And the story plot—it could have been better. Like, it—it it felt like when I was reading Captain Marvel, um, in the Infinity uh, issues, it felt like a lot like filler.
1: Ah, uh, I got you.
2: And. You know the thing is, is like these are. If I think with the Marvel Adventures, I'm not too sure, but it seems like there was like a group of one shots pretty much. Because so there's one like what I have a bunch of them. Like there's one with Spider-Man going at Scorpion and the Hulk one. There's one with Spider-Man team up with Human Torch to take out a Lava Man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like it feels like a bunch of one shots. It, it but, could
1: be Marvel. Marvel used to do that in the past, and uh, DC did that as well with a uh, World's Finest run back in. I think it was the 80s too, where they did a lot of one shots as well.
2: And my thing on this is I I would pass on this. It's not a buy for me. It's, you know, it's, you know, like I said, it just, it felt too much like filler. Um, It wasn't captivating at all. It felt very childish. And granted, like I said, I got this when I was a kid, but it wasn't like, like I have some, if you look at my stuff I had when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. like I had GoldenEye, which had nudity in it. I had, you know, some, some like Gen 13 and everything else and Mm -hmm. some darker shit, Um, you know, so, which is pretty cool, but You know, you look at the Marvel Adventures, and it's like I said, it feels very Scooby-Doo-esque towards the ending. So I'm going to say this is a pass for me. So your turn, James. What did you read this week?
1: All righty. Well, I made a promise a long time ago on the show that I would try something that we were complaining about when it first came out. So I decided when I was at Bob's this week at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards that I would pick up Superior Iron Man. Number
2: one. Not gonna lie, I had a feeling that that's what it was gonna be. I had a feeling you are gonna go something with a superior route.
1: I made I made a promise. I said, you know, we we pretty much re- really ripped the uh, the rebooting of all these of all these Marvel books. But we both said we'd try one. So I'm here. I am. I'm fulfilling my duty, and I'm trying Superior Iron Man number one. By the way which was written by Tom Taylor, art by Yildari Sinar. You might remember him from uh, Artist Spotlight Sunday a couple of months ago as well. Uh, yep. Colors by Guru, EFX, and the cover, which was actually kind of, it was just basically Tony Stark with his arms uh, oh, yeah. open, and it was by Mike Choi. It was it was still a pretty darn good cover art. Um, I, I'll get into the, the nuts and bolts of the story here in just a second, but, but the art by Yildari Sanar. Very good, especially with the Iron Man suits. You could tell he's a fan. You could tell this is somebody that really cares about the character because he puts very good detail into the Iron Man suits. And, of course, Tony Stark as well. But, you know, when you're reading an Iron Man book, it's all about the suits. Yeah. And he did a very good job with that. Now, basically, if you don't know what happens here and why this all came about, if you weren't reading the last uh, big Marvel run, there was a psychic fallout during a big battle with the, between the Avengers and Red Skull. And right. they were and their minds were warped. Well everybody else just kinda went back to normal except except for Tony Stark. So he's this more sinister version of himself.
2: Okay, so it's pretty much superior Spider-Man except Tony Stark's in his own body.
1: Exactly. And nobody's occupying his mind. This is his mind. It's just altered kind of thing.
2: See one thing I've noticed with Tony Stark is in the comics to try to make it more of a darker figure for example like in my in the Hulk versus Iron Man um, run that I read for a little bit uh, we find out that Tony Stark was the reason why the atom bomb uh, the bomb went off the gamma bomb went off and br- turned Bruce Banner into the Hulk because him and Banner had a falling out and Tony was drunk and Tony said well I'll show him and the next thing you know the gamma bomb goes off and Tony Stark's the reason why the Hulk is created um, and then, you know, we're seeing like in civil war and everything else. It's, it's, you know, they're trying to make him like, yeah, he's this kind of cool, kind of collected guy, but for the most part, there are ties where he's very, very dark and he's very sinister. Well, this um, is, this was definitely
1: pretty messed up and actually something very similar happens in this issue. Cause she Hulk is in this issue as well. Basically, right. basically he creates this, this app called Extremis 3.0. Okay. in San Francisco and he gives it to everybody yeah. and he's promising them perfection basically he's going to make the entire city of San Francisco beautiful so a week after he does this uh we see She-Hulk battling a villain who we come to find out is the is called Teen Abomination and they make a joke at how bad the name is right. basically it's a very small ver- small er less sinister version of Abomination from the Hulk run right so at one point it looks like He's Tony Stark, Iron Man, gets his head knocked clean off. Right. I mean, you see this teen abomination to basically decapitate Iron Man, and everybody freaks out. Well, it turns out he wasn't even in the suit. This was a remotely controlled suit. Yeah. So he's at a pool somewhere with a bunch of women until Pepper Potts finds him. Yeah. And she's not happy. She finds out he's been drinking again. And here's where it really starts to get weird. Okay. He has developed a new suit made out of a liquid metal based off of the symbiote that is attached to Venom. Okay. So it's basically a picture, a all-chrome, shiny-chrome version of your typical Iron Man suit, but it's an open-face suit, too, so you can see Tony's face. So the, right. van- the vanity starts to creep in there and um, Pepper's really upset with him because he ba- basically says that he's created a master race in San Francisco and that's going to have consequences. Well, apparently it is because all the beautiful people are trying to round up all the people that are coming into the city that are ugly and throw them out. Right. Well, until Daredevil gets involved. So Daredevil's in the issue now and basically fighting for the <laughs> ugly people, which is, which is interesting. Uh-huh. But uh, then one guy in the group starts to freak out. Okay. And it turns out, Pepper's still talking to Tony at this point. They're kinda, it's kind of like going back and forth kind of thing. Yeah. And Tony said, I've created the next big thing for Stark Industries. And basically, the app was a temporary effect. So everybody that was made perfect is now going back to their regular, normal, everyday selves, and everybody's freaking out. Pretty much,
2: he's turning everybody into addicts, pretty much.
1: And basically, the app sends an update and says, if you want to continue the Extremis 3.0, it's a $99 per day charge. Wow. So he basically screws everyone over. And at this point, Pepper knows that something's up with Tony. She's figured it out. So the the end of the issue, basically, she's in a room talking about how he's lost his mind and they need to activate some sort of a contingency plan. Right. So the last panel literally is someone we don't know who in another Iron Man suit saying this is what we planned for.
2: I think it's it's uh Rhodey.
1: So it, it could it could very well be Rhodey and the the, it, the Iron Man suit kind of looks like classic Iron Man but with yeah. almost like a point at each at the top of each eye. Yeah. It almost almost looks like it's kind of horns but not it's it's very it's very it's very that might not be the right way to describe it but if you've read the issue you you know what i'm talking about right um if they were going for a more arrogant and sinister tony stark they accomplished that with flying colors because he was he was very like you said very dark in the issue and basically unapologetic and not not the arrogant Tony Stark unapologetic that you get from the from the cinematic universe. This it's is like
2: the it, this is the my shit don't stink I'm better than anybody else. Tony basically Stark.
1: And, and and I can do to the world whatever I want to, Tony Stark, as well. So right. um I I gotta be honest. I wasn't sure I would like it, but I'm intrigued now. And and I wanna see where it's gonna go. And I wanna see how bad is this really gonna get. Now, is it Is it as good as, I'm I'm curious to see if it ends up being as good as Superior Spider-Man was at the end, which I know you disagree, but the way that they did that, as far as the the way they let the story roll out and the way they finished up, was very well done, I think so. (sighs) I'm, I'm curious to see how far they go with this and what other kind of changes they make, so this is a pull for me. I'm actually going to end up pulling this. So uh, I've heard things about the other new Marvel books that are out. I hear Captain America is not that great. I hear Thor is actually very good. So uh, all the stuff that we were kind of lukewarm on, at least in the, at least as far as Superior Iron Man goes, I I think they might have one here. I'm in.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I can see why. Um, like I said, I like I kind of like the fact that they going a more darker route with Tony. Um, and we don't know what's the cause of this, or you know, we, we kind of know, but we don't know why is it still lingering with him. Right, exactly. And it could be something like his own personal demons. We don't know. Um, you know, another possibility for the other Iron Man could be his brother, because they've, yeah. they, they've in other issues they've had it to where his brothers in the uh, in the. Uh, in the uh, uh comics. See uh, that
1: would be a the, that would be a cool route to go, I think.
2: For example, his brother um is the reason why Bruce Banner is gets saved and becomes <sighs> becomes Doctor Green. Oh You Um,
1: had to bring it up and bring us all down, didn't you? Oh, gosh.
2: Yeah, but I mean, he didn't do the surgery, but it was just like he had the technology pretty much, so that's why they did it.
1: Now it's going to be my my tears mixed with Cody's flowing down a river of garbage because of
2: Joe Quesada. (laughs) Exactly. And speaking of comics, if you're wondering what our pick of the week is this week and our pull of the week this week is, check out Boom Studios' Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it's very cool because they've
1: actually labeled it uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but it it bridges the gap between Rise of and Dawn of that ten year gap. So it's a six issue series where you actually get to kind of find out, get more story of what happened in that ten year span. Which I love that they're doing that with with certain comics, and I love that we're getting stuff that bridges the gap between movies or or you know is is filler for for mid seasons and TV shows and stuff. I and look know.
2: at. And also with video games, like Tomb, the Tomb Raider comic by Dark Horse, for example, mm-hmm. shows what happens between the first Tomb Raider game and then Rise of the Tomb Raider.
1: Right, exactly. So I love that. I mean, it's, it's more independence than anything else. But like the run that uh, DC has with Injustice, I'm going to tell you right now, and I might review Injustice next week on the show, Injustice, and I'm, and I'm not even over-exaggerating, is one of, if not the best, DC book right now. It is that good.
2: Exactly. Well, that's going to do it for what we're reading. Come up next is this week in Geektainment, and uh, we have a special guest this week. It's Mrs. Witham. Jess right. James' wife comes in and debates me because apparently I said something that pissed her off. What did I say? I don't even know. Stay tuned. We're down Nerdy. It's coming up next.
1: All right, Tributes. Get your ticket stubs out. Make sure when you get that jumbo tub of popcorn you lift with your legs because it's time to talk about this week in Geektainment, and the odds are finally in our favor, Nick, because we're going to be talking about the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 with a special guest.
0: You guys are going to be blowing over Hunger Games anymore.
2: Shit. <laughs> 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 For like, what,
0: two months? Was it yes. two months that you guys just kind It wasn't that
2: long? It was, it was, it was, was it two months? I don't, like, honestly, Pam... By the way, this is James's wife, Pam. Hello. The, so, no, honestly, like, when the Jurassic World trailer came out yesterday, Pam, I texted James. I'm like, I'm not gonna lie, I think we got pushed push back Hunger Games like another week. And he was like, his response was laughing his ass off pretty much. Yeah, no,
1: <laughs> like, no, no, no. No, probably not. Yeah, no, Hunger idea. Games
0: deserves a lot of love.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a big deal because this is the final chapter, even though they broke it into two parts. It's the final friggin' book that they decided to put into two movies. Thanks a lot. Harry Potter. Well, Harry Potter,
2: Hey, Hey, I will defend Harry Potter. Harry Potter, the last book, the Deathly Hollows, was so big. It needed to be cut into two parts. It actually had a part where you could cut it into one to two movies. Okay. We're going to end it here. And then we're going to carry it on. Hunger games is ever since, you know, all the other young adult novels, not so much, not much of a need for it at all.
1: Yeah. I understand that, but it's just, it's become a growing trend and it annoys me. So I just figured I'd throw that out there. To be what?
0: fair, I'd like to weigh in here. Yes, <laughs> I would like to weigh in. I would this like is crossfire, in. <laughs> you know. You can just kind of just barge in. Yeah. Man. No, the reason why this book really, this book really has to be made into two parts. There's just so much going on. Right. So, so I, I do agree with this. I know that you're upset with Harry Potter. But um, it really there's just so much going on in this final installment of Hunger Games that you really could not make it into just a movie. And I think so, that
1: that's part of what's going on here, especially once we start diving into the movie itself. That maybe this movie's not going to be as long as the next movie's going to be from from what we're from what we're hearing.
2: No, I mean you know I don't know how long it's going to be, but I think you know what, what Pam said. You know, you need to be cut in two films, and you know I remember James, you telling me this that. that Pam, you even said that, well, the part of it, the first part is mostly dialogue and it's all the action. It's kind of what you see in a lot of movies where like, the first part's heavy dialogue, second part's when all the shit falls and everything starts happening. So I think, I don't know, I, I could see probably be a two-hour movie. I could see the, the last part be that.
0: It, ha- it No, 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 you don't understand. With everything that they left out in right. this first movie, they really should have made this movie, the first part of the movie, at least three hours long. Because they they wow. barely they barely got through a quarter of the book with this first movie,
1: and that's the, therein lies the danger. Because if that's true, and now I will preface this by saying that Nick and I have not read the books specifically, so we can review this movie as a, as a standalone movie. But we wanted to bring my wife in because she's read the books and she's kind of a a resident Hunger Games expert. So we're not really going to give too much away. We are going to do spoiler alerts on the movie itself and let you know what happens in the book as it leads up to the things in the movie. But we're not going to go any further. We're not going to ruin the ending for you if you're like us and you're strictly movie people.
0: Well, you know what? Let me ask you guys a question because you have not read the books, which is such a shame.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's
0: such a shame. Um, just based on what you guys have seen, do you feel like they gave you that? Hey, let's go back and figure out what happens at the end.
1: Um, I kind of feel like they they uh, they did, but it's it's almost like when they were going through the when they were going to rescue them, and they're going through where it was a place where there was clearly some operating done. The first thing I thought was, okay, they experimented on him and they did something to PETA and something's going to go down when they take him back. So I kind of figured it out when they did that. So that didn't give me as much of the shock value when it actually happened. So if if I hadn't seen that, maybe I would be a little bit more anxious to see what's going to happen next. But I kind of feel like since I figured that part out, I didn't have such... A huge draw.
2: Okay. See, for me now, Pam, I don't know if you know this, but this actually plays into my answer. I actually auditioned for this film. Awesome. And uh, the, I, so I knew everything happened with PETA, how he kind of turned, because part of the script that I read right. dealt with him kind of turning in a sense like that. <laughs> but the thing is, what James said, you know, we knew something happened with him. But and I told James this uh, off the air. I said my thing is when you break a movie up into two parts, the first part has to have that cliffhanger, like in the first Harry Potter part of Deathly Hollows, where it's like, okay, you know, it makes you saying, "Fuck!" Like I got, I want, I can't wait. I gotta see the second part now. With this one, with him like freaking out in the bed and everything else, and kind of going through the, the convulsions, like kind of like a, a, a drug addict going through, you know, withdrawals. The, yeah, withdrawals. Um, I'm like, eh, like I can wait a year. It's not, you know, I'm not going to rush. I mean, I want to see it probably the day it comes out. But I'm not like, I wasn't breaking down the barriers at the, the movie theater saying, you guys have to show me the second part right now.
0: And that is my problem, I think, with how they ended it right there is you don't have that, oh my gosh, I can't wait another year to see how this ends, as with the second installment that they did. With the second installment, you're like, Holy crap! Tell me what happens next. Yeah, exactly. Right. When right. they when, ended when catching fire, when she figures right. out that District Twelve is destroyed and there's just all that like hatred and and all that emotion.
1: And I mean, I mean, think about the way they ended catching fire. You had her shooting the arrow into the dome. Everything collapses suddenly. She's on this ship right. with with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Yep, and and they're and sh- and they're like you know we you're our Mockingjay we're we, we're going to go to war against the Capitol and then you've got that whole and then she finds out Pete is taken and she gets you, that pissed off look is where you end it so for that one it was like whoa all right yeah. it's on now let's it's, get to the next
2: one it's weird because like in the trilogies. You know, in any ways, the second movie is always, I think, the best. I thought Catching Fire is the best of the movies so far that I've seen. Um, now, my thing with Pam, and I want to ask you this my problem with this film is that I think it was a good film, but my problem with the film, other than how they ended it, was that I felt that with Katniss's character, because this is a young adult book, I felt that they did things in the movie, in the Mockingjay, that really devoided Katniss of everything that made her a strong, independent female character in the past two films.
0: Um, so with I, the lo-
2: especially with the love triangle aspect of it, because it was kind of like you watched me mocking Jane. She's like, "Oh, I'm not going to do this unless Peta. I get my my pseudo boyfriend back." Because I think it's, I've never really bought the relationship between her and Peta at all in these movies.
0: Mm, I, I guess maybe because I read the book, I totally totally understand. Um, I don't. I don't know if you really you don't understand the scene where um you saw her outside in the rain in the mud and he throws a piece of bread at her yeah uh, that scene could have been explained a little bit more um because in in the book they go into an explanation that she had not eaten for at least a week and it was that burnt piece of bread that sustained her her sister and her mother to keep going because she was near death at right. that point, because she was so hungry. So that's why she has all of these intense feelings for PETA.
2: Right. But but the thing was, though, if she, but see, I think that's a problem, too, is because, you know, you see this whole relationship between her and PETA. And it's like, it's fake because, I mean, even seeing Catching Fire, how she's kind of like, that was just an act kind of thing. And the will think of her being pregnant, which she wasn't. And, you know, it's just like, it was a, it was a fake relationship. And then she's kind of like, you know, she has Gail there the entire time, um, who was like by her side the entire time. Like you have him, like he's right here. And then there was that one part in Mockingjay where she's freaking out, where she's like, did I lose both of them? Did I lose both? of them? I'm like, wow, you're literally pointing out the love triangle. So, but, he- here's the problem. Gale hasn't
1: been by her side the entire time because she was in the the games. He wasn't there. Now he might, he might've been there in spirit, but he literally was not there the two times she was in the games. And the one that was there by her side, and the only one that can really understand what it was like to go through that not once, but twice now is PETA. So you have to understand that there's going to be a connection there. It's like going to war. It's like sharing a foxhole with somebody. (laughs) And then you come back home and you – there's nobody that you come home to that can know what it's like to go through something like that except somebody that was in there. Right.
2: Let me – let me ask Pam this. Um, now, in the books, does that explain how much time has passed between the games, the first and the second book? And does it explain more about like how the the this is a relationship between Gale and Katniss? Like, is she, does, it, does it kind of in the books maybe explain more of like who she's closer with before it lead up to who I don't know if she chooses somebody or whatever. But is it does it explain <laughs> it better in the books?
0: Yes. Yes, so that's that's why I'm kind of sitting over here like, well, if you had read the book like you were supposed to do in school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was reading Hawk Finn and everything else in high school. Um, no, no. It's um, it's definitely more, um, I guess, more of a magnetic pull in the book um, right. with how the interaction is between her and Gail and her and Peta, because she is definitely torn between the two.
1: Well, I mean, and think about it. She, Gale is somebody that she's grown up with, if I remember right, correct? Yes. She's known him for a while. But PETA, they were kind of thrust together and kind of forced to create a common bond in the first movie slash first book where, you know, Hamish is saying, you need to get sponsors, you need to be likable. And she's not at all. So she's going to play this act with him, but then all of a sudden... The act, the more and more they're playing it, it starts to become real a little bit. And it's totally real for him because he's head over heels in love with her. And she's just not there. But progressively, she's starting to get there because she's learning what kind of a person he really is. Mm -hmm. So being in that situation with him, it's almost like a Florence Nightingale effect. Where see, you're there where you're there in battle and in the heat of battle, you start to develop feelings for somebody that's going through something similar to what you're going through.
2: Right. and I think that like my thing is, I think my problem with the with the, the film overall, Pam and James is that you you see what happens to district twelve, right? And you you see that it's all in destruction and everything else. And the fact of the matter is, is there's, there's a bigger thing going on. there's like a bigger picture effect. But what bothers me is that she's so focused, Katniss's, on these two guys instead of seeing the overall concept of hey, these districts are being destroyed, they're being bombed and everything else. Even after that, she goes to see to that uh, one district where they bomb the hospital. Even after that, it's kind of like yeah, she'll be the Mockingjay, but still, she's kind of like withholding a little bit because of this whole love triangle. I kind what? of thought. No, she's getting what she wants.
0: Are you crazy? No way,
1: dude. <laughs> <laughs> she's get she her sister says you can get you can ask for whatever you want. Why wouldn't you want to get your people back? And not only that, keep in mind it wasn't just Peta that she wanted to get back. It was all the other tributes that were captured by the Capitol as well.
0: Oh, hey, so that's one of the things that I was going to tell you about, though. Right. Um. With the demands that Katniss wanted, she did want all of those demands in the in the in the movie as well as in the book. But the other thing that she wanted in her list of demands was Gale to be by her side during this whole
1: thing. Ah, see, um, uh, that's, that's a key piece left out right there. Because
0: initially, Gale was not going to be allowed to go with her because when the scene showed, um. Oh, I'm sorry. Gail was not going to be allowed to go with her. But when Katniss saw PETA during right. one of their uh, interviews, um, she le- ran out of the room, but she was not excused by President Coyne. So one of Coyne's soldiers tried to stop her, but Gail punched him in the nose and so he was taken off of the special detail that he was on, and his communicuff, which is essentially a um, a walkie-talkie, it's, it's um, right. was it's Tra- removed. It's Dick Tracy's
1: watch, basically.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right. It was, it was removed from him. See, so. that's.
2: I think that's a problem. Is that I think. Um, I mean, when everything's going on, like I, I mean, just from what Pam's telling me, it seems that like they cut out some major stuff, like what it Harry Potter, like like what, like what Harry Potter. And I can't go back to that because, like I said, it's probably the one only successful book, I think, that's been cut into two movies. And so it's because I read all the books and, you know, it's there's certain parts like they cut out certain things, but they weren't major. You know what I'm saying? Here from what Pam is telling us, it sounds like there's a lot of major things that they cut out. And and I think part of it maybe was to cover to do more to love triangle stuff. But like knowing that the whole thing with Gail, like Pam, with that, Pam just mentioned everything else. I think what if I had known that like going in, like, you know, and whether they read the books or not, but even knowing it now, it's kind of like makes you wonder, like, why didn't they put that in the book? There's such pivotal pieces. Do you
0: know what else or they in the movie, put I mean? in the book that, or in the movie that was an, a crucial part in the in the book was how she got her Mockingjay pen. She right. did not just go into the Hob one day and find it just littered in one of someone's forgotten boxes. She was actually given the Mockingjay pin by the mayor's daughter before she was shipped off for the first Hunger Games.
2: Huh.
1: So that, I, she's told me this before, and to me that's a much better way to get it than her just being at the crappy flea market, digging through the right. rocks and, huh, what's this? It's a Mockingjay pin. Oh, you go ahead and have it, dear. Really? Right. Come on.
0: And, and one of the, the other major importance with it being delivered to her by the mayor's daughter is that you know that the Mockingjay pin is a symbol of defiance against the Capitol. Right. So essentially the mayor and his daughter were secretly raging against the Capitol and everything that the president stood for. Right. So to me, the way that they gave her the Mockingjay pin was a total cop-out in the first movie. And I don't understand why they couldn't have given her the Mockingjay pin as she actually got it. That was so frustrating for me.
2: Right. And like I said, I think when I I watched this movie, like I said, I don't think it was a bad movie. There were just certain things that had me in it that had me scratching my head. You know, and I said, like, the one thing I think is just, I think that they focused, and I know the director said this too, that he wanted to kind of not focus too much on a love triangle and make it more about the whole civil war, pretty much, within the districts and the capital. Um, But it felt like they kind of maybe... I don't know, I want to say sacrifice because they did cover some of it, but it felt like this movie was based more on the love triangle stuff because, you know, maybe they're gearing... They know that the second movie is going to be just an all-out war and that's what they're mostly going to focus on. So, I mean, if that's the case, then I'm okay with it, kind of, but it's still kind of frustrating.
1: <laughs> I mean, I kind of understand what they were doing uh, with that because, again, it's not geared towards... You or I. This is not but I think that's the problem. older I think that, older male demographic they're going no, for. But I'm a, saying
2: I think this is that's the problem though. I think that the fact is they get they, they geared it more towards the teen. I understand it's a young adult book. I really do. But you understand though, you have people who read this who are, you know, older no, no who are gonna go see this as OL. So you gotta put something in there other than the love stories. I talked to a couple people who saw it and who are like around our age and they read the books, and they're like Oh, they they also said the same thing. They go, "I wish that they focused more on the struggle between the districts and the and the uh co- and the, the head, you know, the the president than the love story because it was getting kind of frustrating at times." Where I am like, "They oh have my. no
0: romance in their heart, that's why they don't want to focus on the <laughs> <on
2: triangles. laughs> <laughs> They're dead inside. I just <laughs> think love <just> triangles <laughs> are fucking stupid. Versa. They're
0: not. This one is done in the right way. This one is done in the right way.
2: Well, because the girl's not choosing between bestiality and necrophilia.
0: No, no, because she legitimately has a really difficult situation and in, in got, choosing who she wants to be with. And she's
1: got good reasons for both, really, if mm-hmm. you think about it. So I, I get the love triangle, but I do think that they did a pretty good job about the the districts against the capital, like the like the scene, and I think it was District Eight. Yes, we had that. We had the climbing of the trees and they had the bombs planted underneath and they, that took, care was of the, awesome. and they took care of the uh, capital soldiers there. And then the blowing up of the dam, which was one of the major points, I think, in the entire thing, because that allowed them to go in and get the other tributes, which turns out which turned out to be a trap. <laughs> The entire time, but I don't think the Capitol planned for them to blow up that bridge either.
2: No, but see, now, now one the, I think one of the bright spots of this, I wonder if you guys would agree with me, I think one of the bright spots of this film is Hamage is Woody Harrelson's character. I think he was fantastic in this oh, film. Yeah, I definitely. love
0: him as Hamish. Hey. And, and I was never really a big fan of his.
2: Woody Harrelson or Hamage?
0: Woody Harrelson Hamit is oh. just freaking crazy. White white man can't Money train. I love Woody Hamich.
2: Oh, okay, this oh, is what Nicholas. I, I ordered, go. This is what
1: I wanted to get to. Oh, I,
0: Nicholas Battaglia. <laughs>
2: I'm just not going to say I'm putting, anything. I'm, I'm putting my brass knuckles on Pam. Ready to go to fucking war right now. <laughs> no, remember James...
0: we're not going to war. I'm too tired for that today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Now, for people who don't know, two weeks ago, I get a text from James saying, "Hey, Pam wants to be on the show to debate." You know, to review Hunger Games, I said, okay, it's pretty, it's cool. I, lo- you know, I like Pam. Pam's awesome. And he goes, well, apparently she got pissed off at something that you said. I did not we get were, pissed off. You know, he said pissed off when we were, when we were, when we were reviewing the trailer. And then I get a message from you on the Down Nerdy page saying, we need to talk. We do, need to fir- talk. And, never a good thing to hear and, from and a first, woman. Am right. but I right? But the first thing I told James was, oh my <laughs> God, did I say something <laughs> like piss off Pam or offend <laughs> Pam off. at all? I'm not or anything?
0: offended. For God's sake!
2: However, you, you were
0: just wrong, dear. That's all. I was
2: just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Typical female women speak. I, I'm not mad. You're just wrong. <laughs>
0: you were just wrong. That's all. What oh. was I wrong? Okay, bro? so the 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 comment that you actually said, and I wrote this down, and I listened to this segment <laughs> at least two or three times, <laughs> and every time that I heard it, I'm like, "You are wrong, Nick. <laughs> wrong." <laughs> <sighs> and it took a lot for me not to talk to you about it. James was like, "No, no, save it." I, I made her
1: hold it in, yeah. So <laughs>
0: when you said that Hamish did nothing. With his life, I wanted to jump into the computer and find you.
2: <laughs> Can I say something, though? I said that because I knew it would piss you off and it would send you off like that. That's why I said it. I'm like, I know Pam's read this. So I'm like, Hamage, hey, you know, he's this drunkard guy. I'm just going to say, you know what? He's like that quarterback who you know, just drinks at the bar all day and just reminisces on his old school days pretty much. <laughs>
0: But that's just it, though. These weren't good old days for him. Um, The reason why Hamish is a drunk is because he is trying to escape. And I am saying it the way that I want to escape. (laughs) You do whatever you want, honey. Um, He's trying to get rid and drown out the memories of him being in the games. And in the second book, by the way, that was a crucial. Another part that they left out was when... Um, they actually sat on the train and they watched Hamish in the games when they never really remembered him in the games. Yeah, before. how did we
1: not get that? Why couldn't we that have that? Come on.
0: Amazing. An amazing scene that they left out. So that would have given you more of an in-depth look into Hamish's character, which right. is why I was not, quote unquote, pissed off with you because you didn't read the book. So you don't really know why he is the way that he is. So right. he's drinking and drinking constantly to drown out all of the memories. It's a form of self-medication for him because it was so awful, brutal for him to experience. And that's why a lot of the other tributes, they turn to drugs or they just lose their mind. Like Phoenix, lady love Annie. Um, one of the other things that is that kind of explains why Hamish is the way that he is, and all the other victors. <clears throat> you are never out of the games once you're a victor. Right. You do not have a choice by the capital as to whether or not you are a uh oh. What's the word I'm looking for? A mentor. A mentor. It's Thank like the you. voice with weapons. You you have no choice, ah. so you can never ever fully. Not remember the games, and Haymitch so Ham- was the
1: only winner from District Twelve. He was right? the
0: only one from District Twelve, so, so he had to go with every single tribute, and he had to watch every single one of them die.
2: See, and that's something that I wish they did build upon. It's like again, I feel like when they do you know, annotations from books, yes, there's going to be things that you cut out, but Hunger Games, it just seems like they cut out so much important stuff, and they it's did. just. And it's very frustrating because now knowing that I'm kind of like I'm kind of upset myself Not because I like oh, I didn't read the books, but it's kind of like I wish. Well, no, I just wish knowing going into this movie, like, okay, they cut this out, they cut this out. You know, mm-hmm. I think, and you know, James, and I talk about this all the time, Pam, how when we go into movies about books or or whatever we want to go. Empty you, know, empty, you know, not reading the books first, so we're not picking it apart. This one, though, I think it's very crucial that you do read the books first and then go into the movies because, you know, either way, you're going to be pissed off. Because if you're somebody who sees the movie first and reads the books and says, well, why... Didn't they explain how Hamish got to the way he is? And then you see it, you know, you read the book, say, well, why didn't they explain why Hamish is the way he is? Either way, you're going to be irritated somehow.
1: I'm going to tell you right now, I think that, and I've been very, very vocal about this. I don't think that once part two comes out, we're done with the Hunger Games. I think they're going to do more movies. There might be more books. I got to tell you, I would not be surprised if we end up going back and get a prequel based on Hamish's character and get more of a backstory on him. And I... That might be why they're doing this.
0: No, I. You don't necessarily just have to focus on Hamish, though. You could. Just... But that's kind
1: of what they do with these with these movies and these stories. Now you pick one person. You could and do Hamish, but
0: I don't think that you'd be able to do that into a multiple storyline. Oh no, that it would have to be
2: one gonna, movie. Yeah. No, they're they're gonna make a three they're gonna make a three movie thing about the cat.
1: No, they won't. <laughs> about the cat. No, they're not. You went back for the cat.
2: Yeah, it's just it's all three movies like a minute long. And it's all Primrose just running to get the fucking cat.
1: <laughs> That's gonna be the deleted scene on the Blu-ray. That'll oh be the one gosh. that they give you. We're really going to get the cat. Be the best trilogy ever. Tell you what, that would have been one grumpy cat you leave behind. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so if
0: I tell you guys another thing that they left out, it might make you guys a little bit more upset too. Right.
2: Okay, go for it. Why not?
0: <clears throat> um. So, in District 13, it's a highly military district. Right. um, And everybody is given a daily schedule that is tattooed on their arm. Okay. And it details everything about their day, when they eat, when they relax. um, And...
1: Could you imagine penciling in when you relax? It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like Victor Zaz,
2: but with like, you know, schedules pretty much. You imagine so kill.
1: somebody knocks on your door knocks on your door and says, can you help me out? And I'm like, I'm sorry. It says here on my arm. I can't, I can't, yeah, I, I can't move from the so, spot, man. Can't do it. Know? Sorry. I'm relaxing. It's kind,
2: it's kind of like, honestly, it's kind of like when I work and you know, when I worked in, in, uh, I worked for a jewelry store and when it's like, when you're on break, you're technically you're on break. And whenever I go back, and be like, hey, I need a question. And the manager would be like, I'm on my break. I can't answer your question. I'm like, so am I supposed to just let the customer get pissed or (laughs) what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even their food rations, um, it's all predetermined by their weight and their daily schedule activities. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Um, it's also and, and this is another thing from the book from the movie that's completely different. You do not have Effie in District 13 really effie is not there the people that are there who help katniss are her prep team people the ones who make her all beautiful that have all the weird hair colors and the tattoos Mm -hmm. those are the people that are in district 13 with her not effie Ah. um one and going back to the food rations here When Katniss finally does agree to be the Mockingjay, um, Plutarch and um, Katniss go down to get her her prep team so they can make her look semi-normal. And when they finally get to where her prep team is, they have been beaten and shackled. Hmm. And one of the reasons, and the reason why is because they were quote-unquote stealing food. They huh. were trying to take food out of the um, mess hall. And that's just something that you don't do in District 13. Wow. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that was...
1: That, that, would, that would have kind of t- knocked the shine off of
2: the whole District 13 thing, Because didn't you get
0: kind of like a warm, fuzzy feeling with District 13? You kind, well, of kind,
2: did. kind of I kind of got like... Yeah, I kind of got like this whole colony. It's underground and everything's like... You know, it kind of felt like, honestly, I got to feel like all the districts, that's what kind of confused me at first, was like, are all the districts, like, in this one thing? Is it kind of like, you know, the refugees from all the districts just say, hey, let's go underground in 13 and just, you know, band together, kind of like a mixture? But no, and also one thing I heard too, Pam, is that in the book, COIN is much more strict. Oh my gosh. And and that the people in 13 are much more emotionless and just, I mean... You know, hard-ass, pretty much, I'll say. I,
0: I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say hard-ass, but I would definitely agree with the emotionless. Um, just because, you know, the, everything's already... You have nothing to be excited about. You have your whole day planned for you. You have no individ, individuality whatsoever.
1: I think, I think, too, when... I remember there was a scene in this movie where they were talking about... I, I can't remember who said it. They said... I think it was Katniss's mother said, you know, they're very strict here. Yeah. So I don't. And then as the movie goes on, and they, they you get more and more explosions. You 13, don't really think, see that. Yeah, I think are they really? Because like, I don't really get that that they are. I mean, you could tell it's structured and it's military kind of structure, but at the same time, I don't. I didn't get strict. Right. You know. I mean, maybe it's because they cut so quickly to. Katniss making her demands and knowing that she can get whatever she wants out of these people, but I, I, I never at one point ever got strict from them ever.
2: Right, and I think that when you look at this film, like I said, you know, I don't know. And there was no, and, I'm not, and there was no point though. And I'll say this: given what we've, the negative things we've said about it, though, um, at no point did I really feel like it dragged. No, it at definitely all.
1: didn't drag. No,
2: and like I said, it's just. I mean. It's one of those things where when part two comes around, it's like I can wait. You know, I can wait the year for part two. It's not like you know I'd this um, the other night too, James. You know, when we went to see The Wolverine and the end cred sequence with Magneto and Xavier, and they're talking about the Sentinels and just it's leading up to Days of Future Past, right. and you're like sitting there like, oh my god, I cannot wait. I gotta see Days of Future Past now. Mm-hmm. With this, is just it, the weak point was a lot of people have said this. Many people who read the books and just seen the movie have said, you know, where they ended it. It's like, really like it didn't give you that, that oomph that like, okay, right. what else is going on? And then I think, I mean, either way it's going to make do game Boys. I mean, this one now, however, though, I don't know if you guys know this, but it made 17 million opening night, but it made 123 million opening weekend, which accounted, and accounted for two of every three tickets sold this past weekend. However, this movie, out of all three, made less than the first two films, which yes. both made over $150 million their opening weekend.
1: That I did know, yes. Which, which I think, I don't know if it's telling. Because, it, you know, may, maybe people that went to see it Thursday, maybe there was uh, Twitter backlash and people read that and there was a small faction that said, well, if that's what they did, then screw it. I sort of doubt it because, I mean, if you're a fan of this genre, I mean, wouldn't you want to finish it out? Even if there was, well, of those, here's my have, thing. Have, do you really listen to the Keyboard Warriors anymore?
2: Well, I yeah, I think people. I think actually with social media and well, everything some else, some people do, but I don't. Some people do, <laughs> but no. But I think that there's people too with this whole making two films things, where people I think are now we you know with the of Netflix and everything else and streaming. I think people are more willing to wait for both parts to come out on DVD or on Netflix so they can just watch them back to back. A lot because we've got this called culture where you know we, we don't want to watch, you know you know, one episode a week, we wanted right. to say, you know, let's wait for all the whole 22 episodes or all the, both parts of the movie to come out and watch it all at once. So well, I think that's what's going to h- kind of hinder it as well a little
1: bit. It's funny because we sort of did that with The Blacklist. Love The Blacklist. When we oh, heard it's that so it was, good. When we oh, heard know, that it was coming right? oh. on, when we heard that it was coming on Netflix, we were like, all right, screw it. We'll just wait. And we're right on the finale now. We're getting ready to watch the finale for season one and then we'll pick up uh season 2 now that they're on their their mid-season break but i i totally get what you're saying now i see i don't know it that for this you can do that because it is a a major major motion picture adaptation but I could see, say, for like Blu-ray purchasing purposes, that you don't buy part one when it comes out because you know there's going to be a two-part set when part two comes oh, yeah. out. So, and and, and they, did that with, they did that with Twilight. As much as I hate to mention Twilight on the show, that's exactly what they did when you had Breaking Dawn part one and then Breaking Dawn part two came out and they came out with this huge box set and then everybody ended up rebuying it and lined the pockets of the people that made Twilight. So I could see it for that purpose, but I, I don't see waiting for both parts to come out on video. Because you're talking, that's a two, three-year wait minimum.
2: Yeah, and so that's going to, well, we're kind of going to start wrapping this up. So what I want to do is I want to kind of go around the virtual room and give just final thoughts and ratings. Let's go out of 10 So for our ratings. So Pam, since you, you know, let's save Pam for last because Pam read the books and she's seen the movie. Yeah, she's so- probably got a little more cred yeah when it comes to hunger games um i I don't uh, have
0: cred that often
2: (laughs) (laughs) i pam i've seen your cooking you have cred trust me yeah buddy you i trust just my Uh,
0: cooking my cooking gives me cred not my political stuff
2: oh your political stuff too i actually made i told james this um that you should start a political podcast called red with him and blue
0: (gasps) oh how cute <laughs> that is really cute. There I you like go.
2: That. There you go. Yeah,
1: gonna have the we're gonna have a da- the down and nerdy network here before you even know it. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's gonna happen. Yep, it's gonna happen. We have Jameson He's gonna dress as Uncle Sam. And <laughs> oh yes, please. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I, I want you to know that I'm a cute baby. Yes, <laughs> I want you to know that I'm a with them. That's right. Because you're but either
1: that... you're either with them or against them. Oh ah,
2: Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> t-shirt sales through the roof. <laughs> but no, I'll go first. Um, no, I think that this film, you know, I I felt I still feel that they kind of undercut some of the things that made Katniss a strong. Uh, I think, I think she was strong, but not like independent. I felt she kind of maybe co codependent a little bit, fell a little bit on the, on the guys that she's in love with. Uh, whereas in the first two films, I felt that we didn't really see that. She was kind of her own person, walks at her own step. Um, you know, it follows pretty much her own rules. Um, and I felt the love triangle. I think it was more of the the film people saying, "Well, we are a young adult book. We have to kind of bring back the love triangle for a little bit and bring it up." But it was just it felt like it kind of maybe bogged it down a little bit because I felt like she lost track of what was really important, which is there are thousands upon thousands of people dying, but you're holding out because you want to, you know, choose between which boy to date, kind of thing. But I don't think it dragged. Um, I can't. I you know again, the ending it left me kind of. Eh, meh, but you know I can wait a year for November to for it to come out. The second part, Uh, I'm gonna give this a seven out of ten.
1: Okay, (laughs) all right. Uh, I I still disagree with you about the whole choosing which boy to date. Thing. Well, you can go to hell. For all I, I think can. That, I think that <laughs> I think that she she was that's part of what's driven her this entire time was having something to hang on to. I will agree with you. On and that. and saying that it's it's Gale and Peta, and she legitimately does not know well, who she cares she, for the most. But could she hold on for like her mom and Prim? Like she's also hanging on to them. You can hang on to more than one person.
2: Well, so, I can't. I only have one hand, James. Well, Jesus they, Christ. Yeah,
1: that is true. Hands Across America would stop with you. <laughs> it would stop with me. It would. <laughs> so, okay, okay. so I do disagree with you with that, but I agree with a lot of the other points you're making about how it didn't drag. I thought the action sequences that were there were good. I think this being the first movie that didn't actually have the games in it, it didn't feel like it lacked for action. So I'm going to go one above you, and I'm going to give it eight arrows out of ten.
2: Oh. Wow, oh. we're arrows here. Oh, okay. I'll do. Okay. So if we're doing that kind of a rating. Then I will go seven Effie wigs out of 10. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> All right. Oh man. Okay. So for me, having read the book and see the movie together, I, I am a little disappointed. I have to say in, in the details that they left out that honestly would not have, really added on to the length of the movie. However, I will say that the ending, it needed to go a little bit further than that. And I don't think that it's that much of a spoiler in knowing that there's going to be some training that needs to be done. Um, that will be conducted with everybody in district 13. Oh, no
1: doubt. yeah. And,
0: and there is a part in that training process where they could have stopped that would have given you that OMG, I do not want to wait another year to see this movie. Right. Um, I think that the um, the Hanging Tree song that you guys got Stuck to hear. Stuck in my head still. Yeah. <laughs> still, yep. by the way. Um, it, in the movie, what I think they did beautifully is that they used that song as a song of rebellion, where in the book it was not... Um, so I think that that is one of the things that I thought they did in a beautiful way. I'm not too upset that they did not bring her, um, her beautifying team, um, into the book I'm or into the movie. Um, I'm actually pretty happy with Effie. Um, Effie is a very, very <laughs> flamboyant character and she is very important to Katniss. Um, so I am very happy that they decided to go that route instead of going with her usual prep team. Although Mm -hmm. I think that everyone kind of missed out on how harsh district 13 really is. um, Especially with them not using the tattoo schedules. Um, I will say this though, guys, and one of the biggest, biggest things that they are going to focus on in this next part of the movie is going to be that pearl. And that is going to be an essential piece to Katniss and PETA. Do you remember hmm. the pearl I that do. he gave her yep. on the beach? Yep. In yeah. the second movie? I remember. That yeah. pearl is going to be life and death for
1: them. Wow. So it's, it's, it's Frodo's ring. It's, basically. It's, it's an amazing It's piece. kind
2: of like, it's kind of like the heart of the ocean. Billy Zane gives a Kate Winslet a Titanic.
1: <laughs> friggin titanic oh my you. god everything no. comes back to titanic No, it is not it
0: is so much everything. more important than to
2: you, you sure because it. i'm telling you right now man when zane, when the zane train arrives the party starts oh
0: i I, I will say that i am a little bit worried as a direction as to what they're going to go in this second book with what they're going to come out it's going to be all a
2: dream it's going to all be a, a dream and I it's going to be it's, it a it's, book
0: it's, gonna, it's a movie it, <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's all going to be a dream, and it's all going to take place in the mind of the cat.
0: <laughs> you, oh, my God, this poor cat. Leave the damn cat alone. <laughs> I don't think cats can dream that elaborately.
2: <laughs> You'd be surprised.
0: <laughs> I don't think they can. Everybody in District
1: 13 would look like a tuna fish if this was in the mind of the cat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I am really, really concerned with what they're going to cut out because it, it it's such a beautifully written book. And like I said, they barely tapped into a quarter of it in this right. first movie, even though. And I oh, my God, the the scenes where she shot down those planes. Yeah,
1: huh, yeah, good. That, that was a good scene. Was very cool. Amazing.
0: But the pearl is going to be essential. And, and just because I know what happens and I am very, very fearful about what direction they're going to go and what they're going to cut out of this next. I'm going to have to give it a five. Wow. Really? Wow.
1: Dropping the hammer of death.
0: Gonna have to give him a five. Go
1: right like, down they, the middle.
0: They should have made this first movie a little bit longer, they should wow. have given a better cliffhanger. Even though so. there was, this is really funny, there was a teenage girl crying when Seriously. the movie was so Yeah, funny. No <laughs> we, we, we
1: came out of the theater, and there's a teenage girl up against the wall outside the theater bawling her eyes out, being consoled by two of her friends. <laughs> oh, Apparently Jesus. the whole PETA thing was too much, <laughs> and, and she lost it. <laughs> and she hadn't been drinking, obviously, because she was underage, she so she was wasn't like, drinking 14, or 15. anything. Oh, but maybe goodness. it was too much.
2: Maybe it, like, triggered the time she played Don't Wake Daddy and, like, the daddy popped out of the bed and you see Peter flopping like that, so it's just brought horrific childhood memories and trauma. I don't know. But, I mean, eh, eh, You know... (laughs) <laughs>
1: these analogies no, you come no, up what, with what, where did that what one come from what the hell was that <laughs> don't
0: where are you my growing mind. up my don't mind. wake daddy Jesus my... <laughs> god
2: <laughs> my mind is like a set of scooby-doo where there's just a million doors you never know where the hell they're gonna lead to yeah
1: well, I'm not going in there well well, now if we <laughs> while we try to decide whether or not that Nick is the spawn of Rob Zombie we will <laughs> <love>. <laughs> that's gonna do it for this week in Geek Team and of course of I want to thank my lovely wife, honey. I love you. Thank you for coming on the show and thanks
0: for having me talking
1: Hunger Games with us. But speaking of strong female characters, we've got nerd news coming up next. Wonder Woman has a director, and we'll talk about it next
2: on Down and Nerdy. Well, boys and girls, it's that special time where James and I go around the interwebs and find out what's trending. Because what time is it, James? It's time for nerd, nerd news. the baby didn't wake up this time. All right. And <laughs> and this week, the biggest—I think—the biggest story. Uh, is that Wonder Woman finally got its director, James.
1: And I got to tell you, they made a really good choice, I think. Michelle McLaurin, if you recognize that name, you should, because she's done episodes of Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, even going all the way back to The X-Files. So I think that you know, if they wanted to go the warrior princess route, they definitely grabbed a good name. And of course, the movie due out in 2017 will still have Zack Snyder as a producer.
2: Now, here's the thing, is this is, a, I think, a perfect pick. Because we saw the thing like they wanted to go with a woman. And I said, I didn't care who the gender, what the gender of the director is, as long as it's a good director. And like I said, you mentioned X-Files, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. She's won two Emmys. You know, she's also the second filmmaker tapped to direct a movie based on a comic book superhero. Lexi Alexander did the 2008 Punisher Warzone.
1: Yep. A lot of people forget about that, actually.
2: And a lot of people and what we're seeing is I think we're seeing a current trend. And this is kind of why I want to question I want to pose to you, James. We're seeing this trend now in superhero films where a lot of TV directors are going in behind the camera for major motion pictures. Alan Taylor's Thor of the Dark World, uh, who he also worked on Game of Thrones, communities, the, Rus- you know, the Russo Brothers from community did the Captain America Winter Soldier, and they're going to do Civil War, and the rumor, I believe, for uh, Infinity Wars as yes. well. Yes, they are. So do you think that when it comes to superhero films, at least in the Marvel universe, We're going to see pretty much every director, mostly almost every director, be affiliated with some sort of television.
1: Uh, I don't think it's going to be every, but I kind of understand why they're doing it because television directors are used to directing series, and they're you know, and they're thinking in the long haul. Now we're not just doing remember because comic book movies were always kind of standalone films, but now we're leaning more towards a s- cinematic universe, as both for Marvel and DC. Star Wars is going to do it, of course. JJ Abrams not going to be attached to Star Wars after after this movie, but oh. I mean they're they're doing they're doing that now. We're we're not looking at standalone films anymore we're looking at universes so who better to look at than TV directors who are used to going and following a story so I think it's it's a smart thing to do and, and to pick I don't think they needed to pick a female director, but what they did is they went out and got somebody. That's going to know a lot about the theme that I think they want to use in this film. So I do a darker it's, tone, right? I don't think it's more that they got a female director because it's Wonder Woman and they thought that she might, you know, be able to direct a female better. I think what they did is they went out and found the right person for the job.
2: That's why. That's why I said, like you, know, I said, I go. Is I think it looks like they found somebody that was right for the job because DC said that they want to be like the anti-Marvel be all serious with their films, pretty much. They which,
1: won't be able to do that with Suicide Squad.
2: No, they They're can't. Not gonna be able to do it. Not going to be able to do it, but, uh, no, I, like I said, she's got the, the history. She's got the background and she's like I said, she comes from that TV background, which is like you said, uh, is that she's used to working with series and, you know, the thing is, you know, breaking bad and everything else, TV shows, they switch directors of time on time off, but they didn't have sometimes directors come back and have multiple right. appearances. Right. Um, but still, it's the fact that she's done a serious show, so she can get that serious mentality, she can get that brutality. like Especially, I love Breaking Bad, and she gets that brutality that she showed in Breaking Bad, so it's it's really fantastic. And think um, about
1: this. Think about those shows that we listed: Breaking Bad, Walking Dead, and Game of Thrones. One of the things that they all have in common is strong female characters.
2: Well, X Files too. ever Sully.
1: That yeah, that's that that's absolutely true. I f- totally forgot about X Files already. But yeah, <laughs> they they all have strong female characters that are a big part of the storylines in each of those shows. So I think again that I mean I think that this choice this choice like we said earlier is a perfect choice, and it's. It's a good faith choice, too. This should get people believing that, hey, we might get a good Wonder Woman movie.
2: Yeah, and speaking of, you know, strong, you know, being, you know, we might finally get a good Wonder Woman movie and making it, you know, these connective universes. Well, one thing that might not get a connective season is in the second season is Constantine because NBC announced earlier this week, actually on Friday, uh, that they... We're going to give Constantine only 13 episodes. It was still going to stay at it its 10 p.m. runtime. Um, and that's pretty much the thing. They informed the cast and crew saying, hey, you're going to get 13 episodes and that's it. And uh, now they're not canceling the show, but they didn't give it the full 22 episode order. Before I let you go on your little mini rant, James, I'm going to let people know why it's only getting 13 episodes. Okay, the reason why it. was because when the season began production on their standard, their standard fall premiere pr- schedule, it launched. Was its launch was delayed until late October, which is when NBC's Friday genre block usually debuts. Right. So the network kind of make a decision whether to either order additional episodes after only four episodes had aired versus seven, when what is when most shows get that full twenty-two season order episode right. order. So it's kind of like I don't know if I don't. I tweeted this yesterday and picked up some steam on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, by the way, Merc with one arm. Uh, I said, with all the success DC is having with their, TC u- their TV universe, it makes no sense for DC MC- to cancel Constantine.
1: No, it doesn't. And, and here's the deal. I think that, honestly, it's much ado about nothing. And, and I know we've got the whole Save Constantine thing going on on Twitter right now. I don't think it's necessary. I kind of tweeted it out just to be an ass. I'm like, oh, you know, in the interest of creating a frenzy, I'll, yeah, all right, Save Constantine. Why not? So, I mean, I think that we're we're being a little short sighted with this here. It, it, this doesn't necessarily mean cancellation. Look right, at I, all the other shows. I mean, shows like Penny Dreadful do thirteen episodes. I know that uh, like the Americans, on, British, uh, on every, FX,
2: every British series. That's how Britain does their their things. Is they do 13 episodes and that's a season. That's it.
1: Right. And sometimes in a 22 episode season, and I'm not saying that this happens with error or it's going to happen with the flash or anything else like that. It's sometimes there's filler episodes and it drags out longer than it needs to. I'm going to reference agents of shield for that. It there's, there's episodes that don't need to be there.
2: Well, the entire agents of shield is all filler. But when you talk about filler episodes, I look at a show like rescue me, which I love. I think it's one of the best dramas of all time. Season five, was 22 episodes. The other seasons were like 13, 14, around there. Season five was 22 episodes. Why was it 22 episodes? Because that was made during the writer's strike. Right. So, so it was all filler. They couldn't push, really push the stories of, you know, Tommy and everybody else at the, at the firehouse forward because they didn't have any writers really. They're on strike. So that's what I did. Now, the thing that, so until I saw the fact that, yeah, they had taken a decision whether to give it the extended run at twenty at, of 22 episodes at four episodes or, you know, not do it, you know, I was of the impression of, yeah, this whole thing with 13 episodes and the whole Save Constantine thing, it, when I saw Matt Ryan hold a sign, I said, that doesn't look good when you have a guy like Matt Ryan doing that. But then I thought about it. Could this be a ploy to get Constantine changed onto a different time slot, to a different time? It could, um, be, it could be that. Or a day. Th- now, 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 let me finish. Now, like I told you this yesterday, James. People tweeting save Constantine is one thing. Actually watching the show is a totally different beast in exactly. and of itself.
1: Exactly. You've got to watch And that's the bottom line. I think that more than anything else, this the stories, I was, I was telling you this, kind of create a little bit of a frenzy. So whether they think Constantine needs saving or not, why not, you know? Why not let the, the shark circle the water a little bit? Why not whip people up into a little bit of frenzy and see if you can get a ratings boost out of this, whether you need it or not? It's just smart to try and get a little bit of a boost out of this because this this the story's clearly picked up steam. Clearly, uh, Save Constantine is is trending pretty good on Twitter right now, and social media rankings matter in television now. They actually rate that stuff. So yeah. why not why not give yourself a chance to to boost the ratings? By, by doing this? Why not make people think that maybe this is going to be canceled? And I think that as far as getting it moved, you and I have talked about this and I've said vehemently, I would go to Thursday at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Give it the old ER time slot on NBC. They've always done pretty well in that time slot. I know they'd be competing with, uh, with a show like How to Get Away with Murder, which has done very well for ABC and it's a good show, but
2: but That's, I think Constantine, though, has a much better, bigger fan base. Oh, no doubt about it. You I know? just think, and, now, putting it, and
1: putting it with Grimm, <laughs> I understand why they wanted to do that. But I, I just right. think it's stupid. You can't have two shows that are basically
2: very, very similar.
1: It, 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 it's cause very Grimm, similar
2: anyway. But. Well, because well, Grimm has that of popularity. It's kind of like what AMC did with Low Winter Sun*, where they put it after Breaking Bad, and they said, hey... It's going to get people are going to watch Low, breaking, or, or low Winter Sun because it's after Breaking Bad. And nobody did. It got canceled. And they, I don't think it made it through a full season. Exactly. And and the running joke was the show, that's not, stay tuned for the show, it's not Breaking Bad. So it's kind of like, even though know, it's Constantine, it's like, stay tuned for the show, it's not grim. So if you, and the thing is, like you mentioned off air, we were texting each other in, uh, or actually, we were talking to each other in person on Tuesday. Um, you said, you know, we don't know when the Supergirl show is gonna be or Power Girl show is gonna be. No, you're made right. Supergirl. It's Supergirl. Yeah, we don't know when. Let me reset that. Three, two, one. No, I say like when we were having a conversation when we were in person on Tuesday, and you said and you made a great point. I don't know when a Supergirl show is going to be, so you don't know when it's going to be. You don't want DC properties to compete with one another. I think they won't put it at 10 o'clock or something like Supergirl. Um, you know, I think they'll put Constantine at 10 o'clock because it's Constantine. They have, um, Yeah,
1: they have to put it at 10. You can and, get away with way more, and you need to for this show.
2: Yeah, and so I think, like I said, you, people say, why not Sunday? I was, I was in on Sunday. I'm like, well... Football, you can't really, you know, you want to be part of the fall mm-hmm. TV thing because that's when all, all the superhero stuff is going on.
1: Not only you that, you don't want to be seen as a mid season replacement.
2: Exactly. That, and also you don't want, like I said, football is going to be pushing the, ga- the, the premiere time back because you don't know how long the games are going to be. Games on average are about four hours. Exactly. So if they go, got everybody really going to overtime, you is going to push it back to midnight now. Nobody's going to watch it. People I mean, got to work on Monday. Yeah. So I think, like I said, Thursday's at 10. And NBC would be great for it because, like I said, there's no really other DC property it's competing with. And it's all all systems go. Pretty yeah, much. In terms not only that, that,
1: I think you got to get it away from Grim because whether whether they're similar or not, it's the you're drawing unfair comparisons to the two now. You're 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 getting people to say, oh, so it's just like Grim, and they're going to put it right after Grim, so it's like Grim 2.0. Well, NBC created that problem on their own because they put the right. two shows together, so it was obviously going to draw an unfair comparison <laughs> to th- Grimm, And I think Constantine's
2: better. And I think I understand why people are freaking out, thinking it's going to be uh you know canceled because you know it's not getting twenty two episodes and the thing is when you're dealing with a comic book property not giving it twenty two episodes seems like a you know like a not good choice it right. seems kind of like wait what's going on here it makes people kind of guess and speaking of things you have to keep wondering if this is going to be a secret or not, James, one thing you don't have to wonder about anymore, or we don't have to wonder about anymore, is who is going to be playing Apocalypse in X-Men Apocalypse?
1: And a darn good choice. Oscar Isaac, you might remember that name because he's going to be in Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Also, he was King John in Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. In 2010, as well. So, you know, he's got some experience playing a villain, and, and he's just kind of got that look. You know, I mean, he's kind of scruffy oh, yeah. right now. He's got the, he's still got the, you know, inside Lewin Davis beard thing going on. But, you know, you shave that off, and I think that he's <laughs> going to be a very menacing apocalypse.
2: I think that, and now, films will take place in the 80s. It's due out May of 2016. Um, yeah, I think, you know, apocalypse, you know, of course, it's going to be all fully CG'd for the most part. Uh, but,. I think it's a good choice. Like, you can't really go wrong with him at all. And it's like, you know, we saw him at the end of Days of Future Past, and I wasn't right. him. It was somebody else playing the younger Apocalypse. Uh, people do know who Apocalypse is. who want some background. He's the first mutant ever. Like, 5,000 years ago, he was the first mutant. And he is pretty prim- much... If you took Magneto's wanting of mutants, you know, to be superior over humans... Times that by a thousand, and you got apocalypse. Right,
1: exactly. I mean, if you because, want more backstory on apocalypse, you can always there's plenty of comics you can go to Bob's at Fancy Escape Comics and Cards in Aragona Boulevard, in Virginia Beach. And you know, now's the time to read up on apocalypse and expect, find out more yeah. information.
2: Well, especially because I find his timeline very interesting because he's he's taking place in a in a part of the of the timeline where the mutants are ruling the humans, mm-hmm. and even apocalypse, you know, set he's. For the mutants, you know mutants, and he wants, you know, he only wants. But literally, though, he's kind of like Magneto, but he's not fully Magneto because he wants only the best mutants to be alive and like run the world and everything else. Like he wants the cream of the crop, and he's pretty much like he is. He literally is like these most powerful the strongest mutant out there in the whole X-Men universe, probably in right. the whole Marvel universe.
1: Right. And not only that, but the, the, there's a difference there too, because Magneto has still got that, that kind of, kind of a compassionate soul kind of lingering in the background, kind of like Darth Vader at the end of return of the Jedi, when he hurls the emperor down, you yep. there was still some of that, you know, humanity buried within him apocalypse. Forget it. Not there.
2: Nope. Nope, not at all. And I think that when you look at this, though, I think it's a, it's a great casting. Um, I'm excited for it. Uh, there's actually a, a, a story we posted earlier on Facebook.com slash Donnerdy earlier in the week about Matthew Vaughn and why he didn't return to uh, direct of future past. So go check that out. I'm glad that Brian Singer is back for the third installment. Yes. And they said that this film's going to focus, since this has being the 80s, it's going to focus on a younger Jean Grey, younger Cyclops, and everything else. Um, so I'm excited about that. You know, I'm glad that the ending of days of the future past, I'm going to spoil it because it's, you know, it's been months. it has been in theaters. Yeah, just, and it's, just go for it. Everybody's got the blu-ray. Go yeah. Spoil it. Uh, let's put this, uh, singer undoes everything. Brett Ratner does in the last stand. Mm-hmm. Jean Grey's alive. Cyclops. He's alive. Charles Xavier. He's alive. Mm-hmm. So it's all is right in the world.
1: I mean, it was, it's, it's, it's a classic get right film is what it was. It was like, okay, it's like hitting the reset button, but when you, but when you know it needs to be done and it, and it wasn't, a, it's not a reboot, it was a reset in that, okay, let's make it right. And Singer, I think he's going to be, you know, he's going to go down in history and X-Men lore is, at least in the films goes anyway, is the guy that turned the X-Men franchise around. And that is a big deal.
2: I think he is is the Joss Whedon before Joss Whedon. I think in terms of when Joss Whedon did The Avengers. Right. Because he did X Men. X Men was like the first major comic book property to get a film back in the 90s. It was 98, I believe. And people were like, oh my God, what is this going to be like? We don't know. And boom, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so again, I'm excited about it. Now, something that I think you might be excited about, James, I really haven't seen this film uh, of its many thousands of variations, is Blade Runner and. It's getting a sequel because in an interview with Variety, Blade Runner director Ridley really Scott revealed that the film's sequel will begin filming next year and that Harrison Ford would be part of it. However, Scott is not directing it. He, however, will be producing the film uh, for the sequel, and he actually developed the sequel with the original film screenwriter Hampton Francher,
1: which is funny because I remember when we were talking about this before, and Harrison, they did, Harrison did that uh, Reddit interview, and he said that he would want to be involved in this if Ridley Scott was involved. Well, now he's not, and actually, Ridley Scott went on to say in the interview, and and I quote, "Harrison is very much a part of this one, but it's not fine when, but we're really it's about finding him, and it comes and he comes in in the third act."
2: Yeah, it's kind of like. In Tron Legacy that came out a few years ago with Jeff Bridges, where his character, you know, from the first Tron film isn't seen until midway through the second act, part right. of the third act.
1: Right. Which which I get, and I I kind of see where it would go that way. I'm just still I'm not sure this movie should be done. I, I really just don't know. I mean, I mean I mean I know Ridley Scott's busy promoting Exodus Gods and Kings right now. And, and I know that he's probably got some other stuff, and maybe he, it was a scheduling conflict, he just can't do this. I mean, if you, you've waited this long, and you, we've talked about this at great length, you wait this many years to do a sequel to a film that already has a cult following and has that stigma attached to it where you just don't know if Rick Deckard is a replicant or not, and I'm sure they're going to explore that in this film, I'm not
2: sure I want to know.
1: Uh, I mean, it kind of takes away from the mystique of the original film.
2: Yeah, that's the problem. Like I said, I've not seen parts of the first film. I haven't seen all of it. Uh, But yeah, it it brings you to that wondering of that mystery. Just like not just in Blade Runner, but just in most films, I have that open ending of... What is it? Like, for example, a label Inception. You know, was Leonardo DiCaprio's character in the dream right. world the entire mm-hmm. time? Were the totems his children? You know, what are they? What's going on? It, you want that open ending of, like, what happened. You want to keep that open mind. Especially when a movie like Blade Runner where you have the multiple endings, you know, so it's like, right. you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of like, well, shit, you know, you're kind of limiting... You're kind of undoing the reasoning for those multiple endings because it's kind of like you're, people are saying, it's like choose your own adventure for movies. Right. It's, it's like the ending is this way, the ending is that way. you know. But now you're saying we're going to have a sequel and it's going to erase, I think, and undo all the mysteriousness that you have in the first film.
1: It's funny, too, because we've become a society that that is that very much can't stand when something is left unfinished.
2: Or so, open ended
1: exactly open ended so it's like we have to know and and it's because of the information age you we have to know now we have to know what happens and that's probably the only reason this movie is being made but i don't think you know a little mystery is not a bad thing here people and and you don't want to ruin what was a, a great movie or at least or at least a, a good cult classic anyway of a movie by right. doing another movie that could be awful because whether you like it or not you make an awful sequel it tarnishes the the legacy of the film itself and it, and it almost makes you not like the original as much just by association even though that's not fair but that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen and if this movie's bad it's going to keep people like like my son from when he gets older from wanting to see the original because it's like well the new one's crap why would i want to go back and watch the original one
2: yeah, well, he already hates Powerpuff Girls, so, I mean, God forbid, you know, exactly. he's... He, you don't want him to hate Blade Runner, you know what I'm saying?
1: Because, let's face it, there's going to be people that will see this Blade Runner movie that did not see the original Blade oh, Runner yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. There's going to be plenty of people that will start with this... Just like there are people that started with the Star Wars prequels and didn't see and hadn't seen the original trilogy yet. So that's your exposure to the franchise, and maybe that doesn't make you want to go back and watch the rest of them because you think it's gonna be like that.
2: And that's gonna do it for this week's edition of Nerd News, but coming up next, we're giving thanks right here on Donna Nerdy. Stay tuned.
1: Well, it's that time of year where you gather around from your friends and family and stuff your faces and talk about what you're thankful for. So we thought, hey, why not talk about not only just in our own lives, but in the nerd world in general, right now, what are we thankful for?
2: Exactly. I think what we're gonna do, James. We should start off by just going around the proverbial nerd table, where where you know before we di- we dig in and carve up the casada that's <laughs> on the uh, on the table.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of carving to be done there.
2: A lot of carving that casada. Uh, and Stanley passes around the gravy mill near boat. Let's take a moment and be thankful for what we are in our own lives. I'll start off with you.
1: Um, well, I mean, for me, it's this is one of those years where it's kind of obvious. Where I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that that I'm a father for the first time and that I got to experience experience that. It's it's going to be something that I'm never going to forget. And of course, my my wonderful wife, my my great family. I've had a lot of a lot of support over this last year uh, with that. And and not to be corny, I was going to do this at the end, but. I'm thankful for the what stands it right now, the 315 people that have liked our Facebook page and that have taken any time out of their lives to spend even a second listening to what we do each week. I mean, I don't think people realize how how important that is and how much we appreciate that.
2: Well not just that, I mean I'm th- I'm very thankful for everybody it's like the show so far even as the cosplayers we talked to and you know I want to thank all the I'm thankful I'm for like for all the guests I'm thankful for like Drew Moss coming on and I'm thankful for Drew saying hey you know you guys want to talk to Colin? Yeah, let's talk yeah, to Colin. And boom, you know we're friends with Colin Bun now, you know. It's it, it, I'm just saying for all the relationships we've we've developed in the past year like you know Meeting people like Matt Slay and Mark Deering, and people in the industry who I honestly think that you know, if it, honestly if it wasn't for I think Mike Federale putting together the con, I don't think we would ever met these people. Yeah, you so know? you got to
1: be thankful for, to to Mike as well, who's done a fantastic job. I like, mean, for starting in a little a little room area in a hotel, and now they're at a big convention center doing a two day con
2: coming up in May. Exactly, and I'm thankful for Bob from Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards to you know for for helping us out and just getting us to the con and everything else. Everything he's done, and it, it's really cool to see the people you know as this thing starts to grow. And like I said, we got some some live events planned. Uh, one of them is going to be at Bob's shop, Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards, on Argonne Boulevard, Virginia Beach, uh, for Free Comic Book Day. So you know, it's just I'm just thankful for people who who allowed us and helped us explore and expand our brand, you know, expand the nation. And, and I, you know, and just, it's, it's really, it's a humbling really experience. Um, I'm honestly grateful for, for you, James, because honestly going into this, you know, I've, I've done podcasting a little bit, haven't really stuck to it. There's times where I've done like sports podcasts by myself. And I only last like three episodes because, you know, I didn't have that person to help lighten the load for me a little mm-hmm. bit, you, you know, and, 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 have that banter and so i mean finding you and saying hey yeah let's let's do this and and everything else man it's it's fucking awesome so i'm thankful for you man it's this this is fucking great
1: and i definitely reciprocate that because podcasting is something that I, that i'd wanted to get get into for a while and but I mean, people don't realize you don't you, you can't just pick up a microphone and start and start going. You have to find the right person that that is just as passionate about things that, that you are, and, and it's gonna put in the and put in the work too. That, that's really gonna go all in on this. And and I th- and I just appreciate the fact that that you do that, and that we we both are just very passionate about the same things, and we want to share that passion with the Down and Nerdy Nation. And I think that I mean, it's just it was lightning in a bottle. It was.
2: It was. And I think like like you said, like people don't realize literally the Facebook page, the reason like all those three hundred fifteen likes, those are not bought likes. Like nope. those are, hey, we've went you know, some of our family members and friends, but a lot of people are people we handed cards to, people we made made appearances and everything else. And you know, and honestly, you know, it, it's really great because you know, people, you know, you look at the at the page itself and everything we post. Technically, if you really think about because, like I said, James and I work overnights. I don't go to bed most of the time until so four in the morning, mm-hmm. you know. And we're scheduling stuff, we're putting stuff up there. It's pretty much a 24 hour job that we're not being yep. paid for. That's right. You know, we're, and we're doing it because, for the love of, of the, what we love doing, we love talking about nerd nerdy stuff and geeky stuff. And we, we love giving you guys great content. And that's what we're all about. So, I mean, technically, if you think about it, it's a 24 hour thing that we're doing.
1: And, and it's funny because we want to talk to you. See, that's that's one of the differences, too. Like, I think we showed that at Tidewater Comic-Con for anybody that was there in October. We had more people on our show that were just walking by the table that wanted to see what we were doing. We'd say, hey, sit down, talk to us. What are you into? I mean, I mean we were talking about some weird stuff, like Cartoon Network, and we were talking about anime, which we very rarely talk about on the show. We talked about a comic Based off of Queen, for God's sakes. Yeah. I mean, we just—we want to talk to you. We want to talk to everybody because we're interested. And we want to learn about, um, about things that you're interested in. And, and even new things that are out there that we don't even know about. Because we don't know everything. And nobody can know everything. Even, even in the nerd world and with the inter- interwebs. You can't know everything. So we, we want to learn and we want to be a community, basically. We want to yeah. be that nation
2: exactly and like i said we got people fans in russia ireland you know africa luxembourg germany spain everywhere like literally everywhere we have fans and it's, it's really great um you know it's really good because you know, we only work in the radio and my you know our boss actually asks us how the podcast is doing and i tell him and he has that look on his face of like oh wow that's actually pretty cool like these guys have something you know it's really awesome we're gonna have you know, to get the show
1: translated in other languages
2: <laughs> that will be that's, that's the next thing well, the second part is also copyrighting the name too. So, uh, exactly.
1: Which, you know, consider this a, a a copyright at least in the in the verbal sense that uh, Dan and Dirty is copyright of James Witham and Nick Battaglia, all rights reserved.
2: Yes, exactly. Um and, uh, yeah, but I mean, no, it's cool. It's really cool. Like, as going to the geek stuff, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for having this DC Marvel universe. Granted, you say, well, some movies aren't good or some TV shows aren't the greatest, but we're still getting them. Like yeah. that's supposed to be thankful for that. We're getting this stuff. Like I could not tell you how upset I was yesterday and we'll you know, get more to this next week's show. when We discuss the Jurassic world trailer. Um, and people were just saying the CG looks bad, and how could they not, you know, the scene with the thing jumping out of the water, mm-hmm. how could they not actually use, you know, animatronics for that and everything else? And it's like, listen, listen, you got to understand that CGI is a lot easier to do. And they've already said, Trevor Rose already said, that they're going to do mixture of CG and animatronics mm-hmm. just like in the first film in '93. You know, it, it's like, people get too caught up. Yeah, would it be great for animatronics and have animatronic dinosaurs? Yeah, like, fully animatronic, yeah, and we're going to get some of that. But the thing is, you had to realize, too, it makes it easier. Like, the reason why we would see, uh, I think, a lot of the... We saw a lot of, the, like, the raptors and stuff like that and some of the dinosaurs, mm-hmm. or more dinosaurs, let's put it this way. This Jurassic World cannot happen without CG. You couldn't have that no. scene with the great white shark if a uh, fucking... Yeah, the animatronic thing jump out of the water. You couldn't do that.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what? CGI is awesome, and you know it. So yeah. stop complaining about it. There's a lot of things that could not be done without it. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man, I think, is a perfect example of yeah. that. Whether whether you like the movies or not, there are some awesome scenes in those movies that could not be done without CGI. And you see that that scene in the Jurassic World trailer with the great white shark. If you haven't seen it yet, you can go to Facebook.com/slash nerdy and see it. If you, you see that and if that didn't stand out to you and you didn't say, Whoa, that was awesome, if you looked at that and you said, Oh, I can't believe they use CG, then what is wrong with you?
2: Yeah, and they're like they're like, Oh, these are CG doors for the Jurassic World and tre- again, Trevor came out I believe it was Trevor came out and said, Hey, we only did the CG for the trailer so we could get on the trailer in time. You're like, but we're going to have actual, like, fully working doors. Yeah,
1: not only that, how, do, how long do you want them to take to have to make this movie? You know how much yeah. stuff they'd have to build for Jurassic animatronics?
2: World. That's the thing. It's like, it's Jurassic World, it's not Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was a small, isolated thing. Jurassic World is this huge, they're using the, huge, the whole island is pretty much what they're using. Yeah, I mean, you're talking
1: time, money. Manpower. I mean, if if you're gonna use all animatronics, then something else is gonna have to get cut out of the film. So and yeah. instead of Chris Pratt starring, it would be like Casey it, Affleck or something. I don't well, know. Not just,
2: well, not really that. I think if it's, instead of Chris Pratt riding around in a motorcycle on a group of raptors, you're gonna get Chris Pratt just riding around on a motorcycle.
1: Right. Exactly. So I mean, come on, just just be thankful for stuff like that. And I agree with you. That was one of the things that popped into my head. Think about it. When you were a child, let's say seven, eight years old, when you could really start appreciating this stuff, how psyched would you have been if there would have been Marvel and DC cinematic universes and TV shows, not just cartoons, Legit TV shows, live action all over the place, where basically every night of the week you've got some sort of geek entertainment. How stoked would you have been as a kid?
2: Oh, it's totally. And it was something like my, probably, my parents and I have for my parents, of course, my family, but my parents and I, we were bonded, we're close, but we were bound even closer because they like said my parents actually are, are nerds too. Um, and yeah, it's just like you know, instead of taking them and say, "Hey, let's see the." Po- I mean, Dad, I was going to see the Power Ranger movie, which I know he doesn't want to go see. Say, "Hey, let's go see Spider Man. Let's go see whatever." You know, when I was a little kid, you don't know how much anxiety and just angst and pure visceral hatred for children's stuff my parents would have saved mm-hmm. and not had a spew if it was for that stuff. If we, but and in, in, in the end, I'm thankful for Fox. Because, yeah, they canceled shows early, but they gave us X-Men. What did X-Men do? It opened the doors for this universe, these universes that we have now.
1: And they gave us Gotham, which is maybe the best show on television, period.
2: I want to go and that far. I, I'm still going with Flash. but we'll, we'll get into Flash. that because
1: we're going to talk about midseason finales. Oh, yes. Probably either next week or, or the week after. We'll talk about midseason finales, so we'll rank all the shows and stuff like yep. that. But I'm just thankful that we even get a chance to go back with yeah. gotham and see this stuff that let's face it we don't know anything about most of the stuff there's no canon for this yeah you know so it's just cool to be able to go back and 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 see this now i mean jim gordon's getting you've seen you've seen the last uh, episode of gotham right yeah well for anybody that hasn't spoiler alert he's in arkham he's, he's going working. to arkham i mean come on that's crazy. So now we're going to get Jim Gordon inside Arkham or we're going to get to see some inner workings of the early days of Arkham Asylum. How can you not be jacked for that?
2: All right.
1: Um, it's just amazing and there's so much. I mean, even the comics. Now, say what you will about, about the way Marvel's doing things and the way DC's doing things now. I want to talk about the independence. We've got more comic book options now than when I was a kid by far and probably even to an extent. And I mean, there's an age gap between us, but even an extent to when you were a kid, there's more options now. I mean, we talked about the boom studios, uh, Don of the planet of the apes comic. That's going to be used to bridge the gap. There's a sleepy hollow comic based on that TV show. Not only that, you've got stuff like outcast that's out there intersect from Ray Fox, just stuff. That's so different. There's so many options out there. How can you not be grateful and thankful for the era in which we live in, for the comics as well,
2: yeah, exactly. And you take all these things and uh, you look at it, and it's just we're living in a great time. Like I said not just for you and me, but for your kid, my kid. Whenever that child is born, we'll never know. But uh, no, it's 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 um, you know, it's just a great future. And the thing is, you know, because of these shows and everything else. Nerd culture, I think, has become more accepted. I think, you know, being a nerd is cool because of these shows. I think you know? that
1: is the thing to be thankful of, other than our families, of course. I think yeah. that's the thing to be thankful of most of all. The fact that finally, 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 in tw—let's say, let's go back to, like, 2012. Yeah. As of probably about 2012, we are finally accepted and are allowed to be who we are, and it's finally accepted and it's cool to be a nerd it's it's a great thing man yeah i mean because there were times in both of our lives where you know we, we had to hide it or keep it dormant to either keep from getting the crap beat out of us or for whatever other reason and it's cool now and, and you know maybe my son's never gonna have to go through the stuff that you and i went through now oh, because yeah it's gonna be cool to be a nerd
2: exactly i think you know again i think it's cool like i said it's it's Paving the I'm thankful for just having these things that pave the way for the future and you know was, you know I mean I was thinking you know like we could do some things that we're not thankful for but again this is what it's all about it's all about being thankful and giving thanks and giving back and everything else and you know like I said I'm just thankful for the fans we have I'm thankful for the episodes 38 episodes in so far and mm-hmm. there's no signs of us stopping and it's gonna keep on growing and growing and growing and I mean just to see the growth we had in the first not even the first year is, is astounding.
1: Yeah, it's really amazing, and we want to know what you're thankful for too. Go to Facebook.com/slash Down and Nerdy and post what you're thankful for. And we're not, and, and and I want to just make something clear real quick. We're not saying that you have to like everything. You don't have to like everything. We don't like everything. I think we've been really clear about that on the show in the past. But I mean, just just take a step back. If you if if there's something you don't like, if you somehow end up seeing the Transformers movie again, just right. take a step back and say, you know what? Even though this wasn't great it's still a wonderful time that we're living in right now that we're even having these options to complain about at all. Right. The right. fact that, I mean, there could, there could be nothing. And maybe for some people, that's, that's how they feel that that would be a better way to go. But I mean, you could have nothing, but instead we've got all these great things to look forward to and that are happening. And I just, I just think it's fantastic.
2: Exactly. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of down and nerdy. And again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody from the both of us. And you wonder where can I reach you guys? Well, you can go to Gmail, gmail.com, send us your questions. You can go to uh, Down Nerdy Podcast at Gmail, send us your questions. Facebook.com, Facebook.com slash Down Nerdy. We're on Twitter at Down Nerdy 757. I'm at Merck with One Arm, James.
1: I'm at James Ace with him. That's Witham. That's W I T H A M. And we, really, we always say it legitimately. We want your fan questions, we want to hear what you have to say. And coming up next week, of course, we're going to talk about the Jurassic World trailer. So, yeah, that is coming. We will be t- giving our full breakdown of the Jurassic World trailer next week. So you'll definitely
2: want to come back for that. Exactly. And again, have Thanksgiving, everybody. Be safe. If you're going out on Black Friday, <sighs> try not to hit anybody in the head with a refrigerator or throw somebody into a washing machine, please. Yeah, and, and avoid Home Depot and all the sharp and pointy objects yes <laughs> pretty much wrap yourself in foam like a kid in little giants and go at it That's have fun right. and as always I leave with this little piece of information always practice safe comic book reading always bag and board your comics